Hey everyone and welcome to the second edition of Metal Hammer Meets. My name is Luke Morton, online editor of Metal Hammer magazine, and this episode I am joined by the mighty Judas Priest. I sat down with Rob Halford and Ian Hill last month in London. We talked about the struggles of being in a band during Priest's early days, what it really means to be metal, and whether they intend to ever call it a day like Black Sabbath last year and Slayer this year. We also spoke about their new album, Firepower, which is out this Friday, if you're listening as soon as we upload this podcast. Um, Rob goes into detail about how he feels about it compared to Redeemer of Souls and what it was like working with legendary producer Andy Sneap. On the day of the interview, it was also announced that Glenn Tipton had been diagnosed with Parkinson's and would be stepping away from full-time touring duty with the band, which we also discuss. And just to stop any uh, confusion, the first Brummie accent you hear is Rob. I guess we'll start with uh, quite a bit, a big question, I suppose, in that it's 2018, there's another album on the way, and it's almost like a 50-year career almost, which is... We're talking about this in the studio. Scene was there from day one, 1969. Yeah. So with that, as as Ian as our anchor, it will be 50 years next year. And what do you think the secret is to such a, a long life as a band? Yeah, that's unfathomable for most bands to even look that far. A sense of humour, I think. That's incredibly important. <laughs> it, it is important. That, sense of humor. Yeah, you've got to forget everybody's idiosyncrasies. Um, which, which is no big thing anyway. You, you end up um, doing that automatically. Be friends. We, we've been a bunch of mates at, at, uh, at heart. Uh, we have been for over 40 years. Um, obviously, we've all got the same taste in music, you know, and uh, and a love for the band. Um, and as long as you can keep on churning out quality material, which we've been fortunate to be able to do all these years, uh, and the fans like that, well, there's a secret, I suppose. It's uh, there's it's there's no sort of magic pill you take, or there's no fairy dust. It's basically um, a combination of the things I've just said. Chemistry, you know, um, the band would be a different band if I didn't know Ian and, and Ian didn't know Glenn. And, and all, all of these things contribute to uh, the longevity of, of any band. So, you know, um, there is an innocence that's not that's always there, that's not changed. It's almost like like a childlike adventure, you know, even, even as you get an on in life. This is the great thing about heavy metal music it, it really doesn't have any restrictions on it unless yeah. you play some on them yourself so regardless of what generation you're from you, 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 the, the, the elements of being in a band are, are vital all the things that Ian has mentioned they're very important to keeping the whole thing connected in together and the fact that we still love to in this case write heavy metal music start, yeah. start the day with nothing and potentially end the day with a great song that's going to live forever yeah just going to say come back to the to, to the to the, to the, like the age thing mm. you know and, and like I still think very young mm. I think we all do I mean at heart I'm probably still about 11 <laughs> you know what I mean you get or older you and you mature and you've got you reach puberty and blossom all this but at heart between my ears I'm still 11 well, the good if thing the about that is, is, 11, is 11 is very important in <laughs> heavy metal because, you know, we've always gone to 11. <laughs> <laughs> if 
you, you know, everybody else has gone to 10 and we went to 11. <laughs> so you mentioned that you always play heavy metal. And some bands, more older bands, seem to, seem to shun that word. They don't like being associated with metal. They prefer to be known as a rock band. Mm. But you've always been, no, we're a metal band. Why are you so, I guess, proud of being heavy metal? Well, just be sim- simply because that's how we defined ourselves from day one. And there were times when it was dangerous to call yourself that kind of a band in, the, in certain portions of the, the timeline of... of of the history of heavy metal music here in the UK, when with the advent of punk and new wave, there was a time when you you never saw a, a heavy metal band in a, in the publications that were you know like Sounds or Enemy or whatever true, it was. Yeah. There was ne- there was there was this there was this horrible pushback that metal was uh, was over and done with. So um, no, we, that's all we've ever maintained ourselves to be and we're, we're very proud of the fact and I think you know it's um, I mean, the, when, when we were started out or not long afterwards <coughs> as you say people tried to kill heavy metal off punk was coming along this is the new thing it's going to be punk, punk you know, everything you know but heavy metal isn't a fad it isn't one of these nouveau things that have come into fashion suddenly and then go out of fashion just as quickly some years later which punk did let's face it there are punk bands now, there are not many of them around, a few of them have survived. Metal's been there, and it's always been there. It might have been in the early days called something else, heavy rock or heavy progressive or whatever it is, but it's, it's always been there, and it's always been like a little alternative to the fad type that just mentioned, and to, to, to mainstream pop music. It's always been there, and it's always been music-based rather than than image-based, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, fashions are. Mm-hmm. Because priests have never followed trends, really, throughout your, your career. You, sort of listen, you listen to an album, you know it's a Judas Priest album. Has that always been an intention going in to recording anything, where it's, oh, this is happening in the world right now, uh, this is a scene that's popped up, but it doesn't matter, we're Judas Priest? We, but at the same token, we've always been aware of what's been going on around us. Yeah. We? I mean, e- even with reference to the punk and new wave um, uh, experience. I remember around the time that we were making Stained Class, we were listening to some of those elements of, of, of punk particularly, the way that the guitar players were, were playing a certain phraseology in, in the rhythm section. And, then, and I don't know whether it was at the time, whether it was KK or Glenn. But out of, out of observing that... We got this great song called Exciter. Yeah. Is that right from Stained Class, the opening yeah. track? Yeah, yeah. And then the verse yeah. starts, and it's this trashy yeah. kind of vibe that nobody else had ever done. This is even before Motorhead to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so later on, you get references from bands like Metallica or Megadeth, Slayer, going, Exciter was just the one for us you know there was something in that song that really inspired us so as far as not following trends I I agree with you 100% but at the same time to be aware of your surroundings can be very useful so when it all started for you guys and you started recording albums and labels were getting interested did you know what you were getting into or was this like a bit of a laugh that sort of got out of hand (laughs) 
I think it was initially. Um, I mean, I, I come from a bit of a musical family. My dad played bass, my cousins played guitars, drums, clarinets, banjos. Uh, and, and sort of Christmas was like a big jam session, you know, you get around somebody's house. <coughs> but nobody ever earned any money out of it, you know, and I'm, I'm the first person in the, in the family to ever do that. And when I started, I can't speak for Rob, but, but when I started, that was it. It was something to do, something enjoyable to do in your spare time, and I loved it. And then you get that watershed moment. It's when you get a bit of a name going, you, you know, and uh, you, 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 you're playing in your local area within, I don't know, an hour's drive or something, which is about all you can do when you're working all day. And then you start getting, like, offers of work in, I don't know, Newcastle on a Tuesday night, or Carlisle, or... or, or, or or Exeter and places like that and you have to make that decision are we going to do this or are we going to forget this stuff and just stay local and, and, and play at it mm. and uh, fortunately we decided to go with the former and, and, and make, it, make, it, make it happen you know um, and it's a watershed that everybody will get I suppose sooner or later in their lives um, and it's taking the risky path mm. that's the secret if you take the comfortable, easy, flat path mm. through nice, flowing meadows, well, mm. okay, that's going to be mm -hmm. it. If you take the rocky path, once mm. you get to the top of the mountain, you're there. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, Ian. That was that was genius. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a point where there's a point where something takes over out of your control. You know, that's very true, Ian. There's a point where suddenly it it it, it takes on a life and meaning. Of itself, and then Judas Priest starts to become a thing. You know, it, 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 it's, it becomes like we say now. Judas Priest is, is Judas Priest is not just like one or two people. It, it's this, it's this, whatever you want to call it. It's this, this recognition, this recognisable name. Yeah. You say the words Judas Priest, and everybody goes, "Oh, I know, what, I know what you mean by that." So. There is that there is that element of growth from just having a having a knock, having a laugh, having a few pints, to well, okay, now it's getting serious, you know. Now there, now we have to bring in a whole different pattern of thinking, yeah. and um, yeah, and that's that's a that's a, that's, a, that's a, an important turning point in any band's career. Yeah, because it was about a decade maybe before the you know, the mainstream you know got interested in what Judas Priest were doing. Uh, do you? Th but at any point during that time, we just be like, "Oh, what, what's the point in this? We're not multi-millionaires." <laughs> well, I, I, I we're just sleeping in the back of a van in February in Norway. Yeah, you start to think, "What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> you know, you, you look you look back at those times now with affection, but at yeah. the time it was like, "Let's just knock it on the head because we're not getting anywhere." You know, nothing's nothing's happening. <laughs> Uh, and that's a very natural human human thing to, to to feel, but you've got to you've got to push through that. It's that it's that it's probably at the lowest point of your career that some of the greatest things start to happen. Yeah. So the 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 ambition is is directed simply to stay together uh, and essentially just become a bigger band with a with a bigger following, and and then you know. Yeah. The progression of that is instilled by having your first record deal, having other agents and promoters from different countries besides your own country approaching you. So the, the money thing is the furthest thing out of your reach. It wasn't until British Steel, really, that we started to see any, right, yeah. any yeah, compensation. Yeah. Really? I mean, there was nothing going on financially. 
I remember the ex- everything we had went straight back into straight the band. Straight back into the band. Did so. better instruments and better yeah. van, you know, better, better amplifier, better microphones, new stage clothes and everything. You know, we never took anything home. It was a slog for 12 years. Yeah. It really was a slog for 12 years. And then it slowly started to become a little bit more, oh, there's some money to put in your bank in, around, around the yeah. time of British Steel. Which I think is the same for a lot of bands even yeah. now. Bands that have got rec- suddenly got recognition in this magazine or that radio station, blah blah blah. You'll find that they've all they've all served their dues. They've yeah. all slept in the back of the van. Yeah. They've all had to make the decision whether to eat or to put some petrol in. Yeah. You know, you've got to do that. You've absolutely got to do that because yeah. it's not easy, man. It, it is. It is not easy. Even now, it's not easy. No, you know. Doesn't matter whether you've got a private jet or whatever. That's nothing. It's absolutely nothing because the end game is going on stage and let people go. Fuck, they're still great, man. Look, look at this band. You know, that's all that matters. The rest is all superfluous stuff to get you to that point nine o'clock wherever you are in the world. And you go, the priest is back, and this is why we're back because check out what we're going to do. And you are back with Firepower, the the new record, Uh, and it's a very a very empowering out al- empowering album. I'm glad you said that word. So how do you mean by that? How do you define? How, what's your sense of empowerment? It sort of, it sort of makes it's quite joyous in a way. It makes you want to sort of stick your fist in the air and be you know and just sort of be you know be metal. You know, it's just a, yeah. metal. It's a t-shirt. I'm mean, trademark that. That is so cool to hear you say those words, Luke, because. You know, that's part of the uh, the ambition again of every of every record. I personally, and I'll say this quite bluntly in public, I didn't really feel that way at the end of Redeemer of Souls. I enjoyed the experience, but I think it was a little bit muted, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I'm just referencing the difference between Redeemer of Souls and, and Firepower. Firepower yeah. to me start sounds like a young heavy metal band. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something very special going on there that I think was out of our control. Something was going on in the studio that I think we probably never really talked about as a band, but we knew we really had to work hard on this record to get cleaner to get that to get that feel to get that yeah. that feeling. So a, a lot of that is without a doubt the, the band's performance, and as Ian was just about to say, the the sound, the production, but by. Uh, Tom and Andy. Well, for the first time, we, we went in the studio and played as a band. Mm-hmm. Which you haven't done, I think. I've pain, done that for years. Probably the last yeah, because the usual thing is you put your drum tracks down first with a bit of bass, yeah. and you, there's maybe a bit of rhythm guitar in the background, and then you build it. Or in this case, everybody was there. We went in and did it, uh, and we ditched the click track. Yeah. So you, you've got these no almost I- imperceptible rises and falls in tempo for the different parts of the song, and it just makes it real. Mm. It's not this mechanical, you know, chop 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 all the way along. It's got that heart, and it's you know what I mean. It's natural, and it just feels right. And I think a lot of it's down to that, you know, mm. when you think about it. Mm. Um, it's like the sterility away yeah. of, of, of intricate timekeeping. And Scott was just, Scott's a phenomenal timekeeper. Yeah, yeah. You could yeah. watch his BPMs at the start and at the end it would be a fraction off. You know, he's just such, such a consistent drummer. Very few drummers can do that. They need a click track to hold it all together. Yeah. So a lot of bands now, in the, in the past two years, I guess, have decided to write 
overtly political records, whether it's referencing Brexit or Donald Trump or yeah. whatever. But yeah. but your this seems to be quite steeped in metaphor. There's not an overt. Yeah. This is right. this is what this song's about. Yeah, like, right, um, I guess why is it the, you're you're obviously making points, but not yeah. saying directly pointing at anyone. Because that's what makes it interesting and, and subjective to your own conclusions. Once you put something in black and white, you, you don't really have a choice to think or have an opinion on it. All of Priest's work from day one has been a combination of reality and yeah, fantasy. It's fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I'm referencing things on lyrically on Firepower that I was doing on Rockerola. You know, Children of the Sun is as a reference to Savage, yeah. the, the, the lyrical content yeah. of Savage. I mean, there are, there are only so many things that happen in the world which I've discovered as, I, as I've moved on. Nice there's, a, and nasty there's a consistency <laughs> of occurrences as you live in life, you know. So the, the ability to take a, a topic in 2018 that you may have referenced in 1982, it still has that validity. It's still an important subject matter. But how you present it is, uh, is, is, is part of... I say challenge, it's not really challenge. It's just the, it's just the way we are. I mean, I, there, are, there are only so many notes that Ian can play on the bass, but it's the way he puts yeah. those sequences together yeah. and the performance that makes it different each time. And it's the same for me as a lyricist. So the messages are, are on firepower are, um, are, are just, you know, relevant to 2018. So lyrically, it is very defiant as well. There's a lot of like we only, <clears throat> say we only ever wanted peace. You know, standing as one, we're you know, we're carrying on you know, throughout the record. Do you think that is something that's inherent to metal? The very the sort of defying the odds and sort of standing up against the man. Yeah, because that's what that's that's what we based our movement on. Mm. Because metal today, still in terms of the the musical community, it's still very misunderstood it's still yeah, it's, still get a lot of pushback you know even though it's one of the biggest forces globally metal is gigantic yeah. you still get shunned whether it's a grammy or a, a rock and roll hall of fame or a yeah. brit or whatever you know, as well. you still you still on a not mean quite as good as blah blah you know there's all this comparison stuff which um is irrelevant to the heavy metal scene because all that really matters is you know the bands and the fans and there's this there's this kind of element of um of of uh a, a connectivity and support that is unique to us i think you know we've we're hardcore hardcore defenders of what heavy metal stands for and represents and we just do that because we do it we don't even think about it it's just a very natural thing to do Obviously, the new record was produced with Andy Sneap as well, like yeah. legendary metal producer. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working with him? It was Andy, do it again, Sneap. He worked my <laughs> ass off. I've never sung so much in my fucking life. You know, I do about twenty takes, and he go, oh, you ain't got it yet. I've done that line twenty times, and you ain't got it. So that winds me up. That winds me up and gets me more pissed off. And he'll yeah. go, you, you've got it now. Oh, Christ, you were winding me up. No, I wasn't. You just didn't... You were, you were not... You, I know when you, you've got it and you haven't got it, you know. So there's that side to Andy that, from my personal performance, was, was very, very special. 
was very, it was hard work. I was just a calm, not shattered, but um, feeling good because, um, you know, we'd got what we needed to get. So uh, that, that, that's just Andy's um, focus and, and really straightforward thinking. He's, 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 as a person, he's very um, methodical, but not in a clinical way. He knows what needs to be done and he'll get it out of you to get the job done. So that's Andy's um, Andy's way, and then Tom is just this uh, very open-minded, very kind of articulate. Knows so much about all different kinds of music, but because he's been with Priest since Unleashed in the East, he knows everything about this band. And I think that I think Andy valued that that knowledge of information, um, yeah. especially in terms of how. Again, vocally, things are put together for harmonies and so forth. Our guitars were structured. Yeah. Just well, the Andy, Andy got me the best bass sound I've ever had. Not what he did, mm-hmm. but he did it. Mm-hmm. You know, he did, really did make a difference. And and like the difference, like you were saying, between Tom and Andy, that they both make suggestions, right, individually, and they both agree with each other, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there were yeah. very very rarely any squabbles between them. Mm. In other words, you know, it wasn't like Andy was saying, "Well, oh, do that again, or do it differently." And Tom said, "Oh no, no, leave it as it is." None of that went on, you know. That they, they they agreed and respected each other's opinions, you know. And it was uh, a dream team at the end of the day, wasn't it? Was it was a dream team. Yeah, we felt that maybe a week into the actual sessions yeah. of recording, because none, none of us knew if it was going to work. Even even Andy and Tom said, "You know, we, we, there might be too much friction or whatever." You can be very, very, you know, very hypothetical about everything until you go through the motions. You don't know what the end result's going to be. So as it turned out, by by the end of week one, this is fucking great, man. We've only just kicked off and it's sounding wonderful. Yeah, it was rushing yeah. along, yeah. <clears throat> it's also been announced today that Andy's replacing Glenn as the touring yes. guitarist due yes. to his Parkinson's diagnosis. Yes. Where were you when you found out about the diagnosis and what went through your mind? Well, as we said in the statement, Glenn's been Glenn's been battling with this since for, for ten years, man. He's been he's been touring for ten years. He's been writing for ten years, recording for ten years. And it was only until last Thursday yeah. that he came to the conclusion that um, it was not going to be. And this is t- typically typically get Glenn. I can't do this because it's it's not right for the band. Not not right for me. It was. I think if I go out, it, it's not going to be right for the band. Mm. So he's always thought about the band, yeah. always about the band first, you know. Yeah. So uh, we know how difficult it was for him to make that decision, and I think we are all we're all relieved that he's been able to find some balance and harmony in making that decision because we all feel we, we went through a similar thing at the start of the last tour. Um, obviously we're talking four years ago here, you know, when we've gone through the same process we've just been through just band rehearsals with the five of us in the live room and when he started then he was shaky and he, you know, but the thing was as we went through he was getting better and better and better every day and at the end of the second week he was ready to go and he put in a superb performance on the last tour mm-hmm. and we were all sort of hoping that was going to happen again mm-hmm. 
But but after the first week, it, it was obvious to all of us that that he wasn't getting any better, you know. But Glenn, being Glenn, he's nothing unless he's a scrapper. Glenn, mm. he will fight tooth and nail to, to 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 make it happen. And in the middle of last week, the middle of the last week of rehearsals, he had to he had to admit it. We we were all hearing this, and we were living it with him. We felt every note. You know, and he came in and he made the bravest decision anybody will ever make, mm. saying, "I can't do it anymore." You, you know, I'm getting knuckles at the back of my neck now. Mm. Just when he said it, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the, in the control room where we were sitting at the time. Mm. Um, but it was just, he can't do it. It's, it's not like he's been stupid and fell off his motorbike or, or got whacked out on some drug. You know what I mean? It's not a decision he's made, a stupid decision. Mm. It's he can't do it. And he was saying, guys, he said, my brain is telling my hands to do something and they're not doing it. Mm. And he had to admit that mm. to himself as well as us, mm. you know. Now, having said that, he will be showing up on tour and, and playing the odd song with us. Uh, when he was doing the albums, he was fine. He was OK for, for ten minutes or so to run through a song. But standing up for two hours, you know, after a while, you, you could see he, he wasn't, you know, he got no sort of stamina there. Mm. But uh, who knows? But the strides are being made in medical science all the time, you know, so, so we're all hoping, praying that, um, that somewhere along the line somebody comes up with something that, that'll at least control his symptoms, if nothing else, yeah. you know. Uh, and uh, he, he can get out and at least play play through a few songs with us on stage, yeah. you know. I mean, all his gear's going along with us, yeah. his guitars are going, yeah. you know, so... And it's a, it was sad, you know, like I say, it was really sad. So, of course, it's important to point out that Glenn hasn't left the band at all. Yeah, yeah, actually, Sneep's just the touring guitarist. Yeah, Glenn, yeah, good comeback. He himself, you know, he said, you've got a great re- re- replacement for the time being here, you know. Um, which surprised Andy. Yeah. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but Glenn's going back and he's starting writing the next album, you know, that was the thing. He said, oh, yeah, I've got a few ideas and he, he's going to be carrying on, you know. He's going to carry on. It's a great, um, again, much like we were referencing earlier, Luke, about the way Priest makes you feel musically. It's empowering, it's uplifting. Um, this is what the experience has been like with Glenn. He's, uh, as, as, as horrible as it's been, he's always been consistently upbeat. It's not going to defeat me. And it hasn't defeated him. He's just playing the guitar a bit differently now. So yeah. I think as far as the fact of what... You just say that word Parkinson's, and I think everybody in this country, probably around the world, knows somebody yeah. that's had Parkinson's or or friend of a friend. And they just we, they know when when that word hits you, you know exactly what that person is going through. So in terms of being a, a hero... Uh, not only for Glenn, but for for everybody else that are living the, an effective life with with Parkinson's, I think it's just remarkable. It's just a great um, a great moment for uh, for Glenn and for Metal, really, in that respect. So to bring it back round to the start of the inter- interview, we mentioned that your next year is your fiftieth anniversary yes, as a band. Yes. We're going to play fifty songs a set. So obviously, say Sabbath called it a day last year. Slayer announced that they're doing their ending after their farewell tour. Have you put any thought into how you'd like Judas Priest to to come to a, a climax? 
We tried it once, didn't we? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we, we we did attempt to 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 suggest that the Epitaph tour. I remember being on the bus in America when I don't know whether you was with with Glenn and Ken at the time. I came on the bus and go. We think the next time we go out, and this isn't the fucking tour. I think the next time we go out, it should be a farewell tour. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we just want to like, see what you think. And, I, and at the time, I was very flippant. and said, oh, yeah, whatever, okay. That's fine. Because things happen on the road, don't they, Ian? It, yeah. it's, it's a very emotional place from day to day. So I just bl- blew it off as like, oh, well, you know, see what happens next week. But, but it, it carried on to the point where it did appear that this was, by all intents and purposes, a farewell tour, although we did reword it and say, you know, it's not the end of the band, it's just going to be, we're pulling back from touring, we're not going to do as many dates. So by then, the message is getting muddled up, the message is getting mixed up, and I'm thinking, this isn't right for the fans, you know. The fans need a definitive whatever. So, on top of all that, just before we go out, KK suddenly decides to retire. We've got a tour book, we've got the hotel rooms book. Yeah. Everything's, what the fuck is going on? So when Richie comes along, this is another defining moment in any band's career. When Richie comes along, the whole thought process changes. Yeah. That was, that was strong enough to, for us to say, we're going to make another record with Richie on it. Redeemers of, Redeemer of Souls is a success. The tour yeah. is a success. And you can only build on what you, what your prior experiences have been. Not from like ten years ago, twenty years ago. The last thing you'll hear bands say, "This is the best album we've ever made," because for all intents and purposes, it is. It's the best work that you've done at this moment in time. So when you have that intention, that means you're going to have to go out and support it. And when 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 promoters hear that priests are going to go out again, somebody calls from Brazil, somebody calls from yeah. Tokyo, somebody calls from Sydney, somebody sure. calls from Osaka, Japan, somebody calls from everywhere in America, and before you know it, you're back in the fucking world yeah. tour. It, and it's it, the biggest thrill yeah. in the world. Because what's the alternative? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you go to... Time marches on, but... I, ca- I cannot conceive of, of us ever saying in 2022 at three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> in July we're going to end. Yeah. I think you. I think more than ever now we're we're so joyed and and grateful that we've been able to get this far from, yeah. from the the support of our fans. That you do, you don't say you don't say a farewell to you don't say retire. Just I think. I think we'll. I think slowly but surely we'll just play less and less and less, you know. But I, yeah. I can't see that well, we, for we, the foreseeable future. No, because we'll be back to the way we were with Epitaph, and, and after that, where don't you play? As Rob says, new album, tour coming up. All of these offers are coming in from all over the world. You're then going to say, "Oh no, we're not going to play there, and we're not going to play there." You can't do that, and you can't do that, you That's know. Which is so you. Right back into a tour again, yeah, you know. You, you can't do that. So you, you you can't just pick it. I mean, that's just a slow fade. Yeah, you know? I mean, you've got to go where your fans want you, and yeah. you, you can arrange the you can arrange the touring in a in a in a different way. But then, like as Ian says, 
you can't just go to A and then go to C and miss B out because those people have supported you for yeah. 30, 40 years. You try to explain to them, well, no, we're not coming to B, so you'll have to travel a thousand miles to go to A or to C. We can't be that as a band, yeah. as people. So, you know, we're just going to keep going and going and, you know, in yeah. the, end, the end will come when it chooses to show its yeah. face. And that was Judas Priest. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Luke Morton from Metal Hammer magazine. You can come find me on Twitter. I'll be back later this week with another weekly episode of the Metal Hammer podcast. And there should be another edition of Metal Hammer Meets coming very soon. Possibly with Ishan. Something else may come up first, but you know, you never know. Keep an eye out. Cheers. 